the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul. FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis. Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. New York residents trying to dig out from a dangerous lake effect snowstorm that has dropped more than six feet of snow in some areas and caused several deaths. The Buffalo metro area hit very hard. National Weather Service meteorologist Zach Taylor says the highest snow totals just south of Buffalo. That total is 77 inches, and that is a storm total so far. Uh, other areas around Buffalo have ranged anywhere from 20 to over 40 inches, but there's quite a bit of areas on the south side of town that have seen uh, anywhere between 40 to 60 inches of snow. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un says the test of a newly developed ICBM confirms that he has another, quote, reliable and maximum capacity weapon to contain any outside threats. This is SRN News. Mike Gallagher sees Trump in 24. And because he's going to run. He's going to announce that he's going to run. I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind. And you know what I got after watching his speech last night? A sense of familiarity, a warm feeling of remembering what it was like when he was the commander-in-chief. And it was a lot better than it is right now. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 8 on AM 1280. The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. AM 1280, The Patriot. Do you want to give a shout-out to your favorite host, have a topic suggestion for one of our shows, or just want to pass along your thoughts on the day's big news? Send us a text. Our texting feature is back on the free AM1280 The Patriot app. Just click on text on the bottom menu bar and let us know what's on your mind. 18 degrees for a high today, a slight chance of snow, a low of 7 overnight with a high of 32 on Sunday. Thanks for listening to AM1280 The Patriot. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing. The show that's making talk radio great again, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. My name is Mitch Berg. My blog is shotinthedark.info. And it's a very special Northern Alliance Radio Network t- today. The uh, worst sitcoms of the 1970s, part of our pop culture octagon series. Uh, b- public broadcasting bid on this show, uh, actually as a spinoff from Nova. But no, in fact, we're going to keep it real here at, uh, at Salem Communications, along with my good friends and charter members of the Northern Alliance, all uh, King Banyan, up in, uh, live up in St. Cloud right now. Ed Morrissey, down in a town uh, in Texas that shall not be named, uh, radio blogger, if I only had a producer and uh 
<laughs> Ed here at the studio. Uh, Ed, 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 no, not Ed Morrissey. Uh, Brad Carlson. Here. Different bald guy, yes. Good to be here, man. You all yes, look the same you. to me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and I, I'm going to spare some time on the intros because these things always wind up running up tight on time by the time we get to the uh, end of the show here. And I, I, there's so much to go through. I have a hunch we have a, a lot to talk about, about our number uh, two and number one choices. Just to recap, King Banyan's third place, uh, worst at comma 80s, me and the chimp. Ed, Carter Country, all two seasons of it. Holy cow. Uh, Brad, BJ and the Bear, and all three seasons of it. And I, the last five seasons of MASH. Yes, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. So let's move on with our uh, number two worst sitcoms of all time. This is gonna get, these are going to get really, really bad here, ladies and gentlemen. King, your uh, number two worst sitcom of all time. So for the so for those of you, there's a recurring theme of shows that spin off of other shows and shows that actually get crossover from <laughs> other shows, right? So here's one that's got both of those. Pat Morita, who you'll remember as Arnold from Happy Days, actually ends up with his own TV show at one point. He's the star of something where he's going to play a widower uh, who has children and needs someone to watch the children because he's working, right? Oh. And his and so he gets this nice, lovely woman from Nebraska, played by Susan Blanchard, and she's the governess. Now, if you've seen this, right? You, you can think of lots of shows where there's a governor, governess, Mr. French, uh, family uh, <laughs> sort of thing, right? Yep. But this show, uh, and and go ahead and 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 roll it. This show was called. Mr. T and Tina. Tina, of course, being the governess. She's got two kids to watch, uh, along with other other kids from Japan. Uh, you know, two kids from Japan, and she immediately starts to Americanize them, much to the chagrin oh. of Mr. T. Oh my! And the theme music can tell you what they were going for: humorous <laughs> Japanese. Themes. It's just miserable and for, for that. For those of you around my age and younger, Pat Morita, better known as Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid movies. Exactly. <laughs> now, the crossover piece, the crossover piece of this was they actually had they had this interact with uh, with, with Mr. Cotter in from the show Welcome Back, Cotter. Wait, what? Pat Morita and I believe Susan Blanchard both appear in an episode of Welcome Back, Cotter, and Gabe Kaplan crosses over and appears in one of the episodes of, Mis- uh, of Mr. T and Tina. Up your nose this with the show, <laughs> This show wow. gets pulled mid-season. They never showed the pilot. Wow. That never made it to the air. <laughs> and only five of the nine shows they had at the, in the can after one month uh, got shown before they pulled the plug in the middle of October and said, oh, God, because the Japanese-American community around the country simply lost their minds oh. about Mr. T and Tina. I vaguely remember the furor yeah. from the from the Japanese American community about the show. I never saw it naturally. I don't even know if it ever aired in North Dakota, but yeah, it was. Uh, it, oh yeah, I, I remember the fuss about it. Absolutely, Ed Morris, do you remember anything about this? Yeah, I actually do. I, I have the same memories that King does. It, first off, it was awful. Second yes. off, it was it was rather insulting. And this was sort of at the very end of this, you know, the Hollywood's um, attempts to. Um, 
uh, you know, play around with the Asian American stereotype. At least oh. they were employing an Asian American <laughs> for that one. You know, it was it was at least a step up from um, uh, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's with oh, yes. uh, Mickey Rooney's <laughs> depiction. Yes. Oh my um, gosh. Oh yeah. Marlon but, uh, Brando and Tea House of the Argus Moon. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was. I mean, and and I don't think Pat Morita was necessarily. Um, you know, overdoing it in this, but it was just the way it was written. You know, Pat Morita did a great job, I think, in in the Karate Kid movies and establishing a little bit more of a respectful presence in in some of these things. But yeah, I mean, he came up, he came up, yeah, he he was he came up like through Flower Drum Song and other stuff like that, where where he was really having to play stereotypes, and I think he appreciated well, the fact that at least he was the lead character in this one. Well, he yeah, right. of course he he, play, he was in uh, in all of the the nineteen seventies World War Two dramas, Tora Tora Tora, Midway, right, the right. the original Midway right. that didn't that didn't reek, uh, not the one from two years ago. Uh, but you I like the one from two years ago. Uh, we, that was a good one. We may have oh, to that's have a show. We yeah, yeah definitely yeah. put it mark it down G money. So the uh, no, I mean he, it, I mean you got to figure you're you're a character actor. You have spent your whole character uh, career playing the Japanese admiral, the Japanese fighter pilot, the Japanese spy in in period pieces about World War Two. Suddenly you got a chance at a, at an A list comedy. Uh, on network television, granted, it's well, Mr. T and Tita, but do, do you take a do you take your shot at that, King Banyan? Yeah, I'm just gonna say you have to listen to some of the titles of the episodes. Oh, what no. makes sumo run? <laughs> uh, reading, writing, and rice. Oh, and where is my wandering Matsu tonight? No, oh, my God. <laughs> those were all show titles. Two of those that I, the latter two I mentioned. They never. They got pulled. They never made it to air. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Very well played. I, I have to think, by the way, uh, Brad, uh, not Brad, King, you work yeah. with uh, college students. Uh, all the rest yep. of us have some. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Brad, your wife is a teacher. Uh, Ed, you know people with, uh, with kids in their 20s these days. Sure. I have to think it would be an interesting, perhaps a reality show in its own right, to take millennials and zeepers and put them in a room where they have to watch television from the 1970s. Shows like <laughs> Mr. T and Tina and yeah. some of the other jiggle. I'd watch. I would so tune in. Absolutely. <laughs> Frank Luntz could host that. Frank Luntz would be the perfect host for that. <laughs> no. Good point. Well played. Okay. So we've got uh, Mr. T and Tina, King Banyan's uh, number three. Two. Uh, number two, two. rather. Uh, worst uh, uh, sitcom of the 1970s. Can't wait to see what number one is. Holy oh, cow. Yeah. So, so let's, uh, let's move on. To, to the next one, Ed Morrissey. Ed Morrissey, your number two most dreadful sitcom of the 1970s. Well, I, like you, Mitch, I'm going to go for a bold strategy here and dump on one of the treasured memories of the 1970s because when you go back and watch this thing again, um, it is it, it is a completely <laughs> different experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I will say, and you can go, you know, I, I will say this. This... If you, when you hear the first beat of this theme song, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, and you're, and you are going to want to erupt in outrage. But I ask you to, to, to stand by. Here's the theme song from my number two worst sitcom of the 1970s, Happy Days. That wasn't Happy Days. There you go. Sunday, Monday, Happy there days. we go. Uh, Wednesday, Happy days. What? Uh uh-uh. So the natives are getting restless. The natives are going to get restless. I'm willing to hear him out. Season one, season two, happy days. 
Season three, not so happy days. Season four, mediocre days. Season five onward, unhappy, unhappy days. Okay. So, happy days in its first season, maybe the first two seasons, was a was a touching family, um, a family-oriented comedy, sort of comedy drama about a family with three children. Yep, three. Three children. Ooh, um, little known fact. That's right. Little known fact. Richie had an older brother, Chuck. That's right. That's right. Up here with the, with the basketball, right? Chuck didn't have a lot to do in this series, but at least he was there. Drove a truck, he- had a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Until he mysteriously disappeared in season two, and That's nobody right. ever talked about Chuck ever again. Oh, that's right. But even then, it was still sort of a nice family-oriented, uh, yeah. you know, comedy, a little bit of drama, you know, a little bit of pathos probably is a little bit better way of putting it. You know, the struggles of, of being a teenager in the late 1950s and, and all of this, very clearly based on American Graffiti, which was really kind of a, an, uh, a slightly idealized cinema verite look at that same period, right? right. And in season three... The dynamic began to completely change. It started changing in season two, but in, in season three, it began to completely change because it turned into Super Fonzie Days. That's right. And I can tell you when it started. It started in season three in 1975, airing in 1975, Fearless Fonzarelli Parts 1 and 2, where oh. he, he, become, he tries to be the um, uh, evil Knievel and oh. ends up with a leg injury. Um, and then um, because he was he was afraid his cool was ebbing, and so he decided to do this. And after that, it really became almost entirely focused on on Fonz. Now Henry Winkler is a great actor, right? Right. And 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 the character was you know very clearly a, a, a fun character, but it became ridiculous. Fonzie jumped the shark before Fonzie jumped the shark, right? right? I mean, really, that's what that's what this comes at. Way before Fonzie jumped the shark, the show jumped the shark. It became Super Fonz and his and his buddies, and this is where it started. And this is, I hadn't actually considered this until a few years ago, and I forget which channel was starting to show reruns of Happy Days. And I think I dropped into it in the middle of season three or season four. <laughs> I realized, yeah, oh my gosh, this is unwatchable. Yeah. it's just terrible. Uh, I mean, it had the live audience, so every time somebody walked on stage, people would start cheering and whistling, mm-hmm. and and I, everybody's mugging for the cameras. Um, it was. It also had a very good cast, right? right. You know, uh, Tom Bosley, uh, Marion Ross. You know, obviously um, Ron Howard, who yep. went on to become a great director, and who had and been in, and who had been in American Graffiti. So there's a who had been in there. American Graffiti, right? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I mean. I almost decided to go with Laverne and Shirley in this slot, but Ooh. I decided that really uh, Laverne and Shirley was a was kind of a, a, a lame concept. But they actually kept it the same for what eight years or whatever it was. They didn't really do they didn't they didn't mess with it. It, it was but, the same show for the whole time. And I remember Happy Days got weird. I didn't watch it hardly after the second season because even as a kid, the, the Super Fonz wore thin on me very very quickly. I mean, when he's snapping his fingers and jukeboxes start, but uh, once you yeah. start getting into Pinky. Toe, Scudero. and didn't it? Oh. Wasn't there an alien plot towards the end of the show? I mean, there was. Can you can yes. you tell me what the can you tell me what the what the um, uh, big audience you know top ten sitcom spinoff was oh. from Happy Days? Not and it's not Joni Loves Chachi, and, no. and, and, and uh, technically Laverne and Shirley was also a spinoff. Of no, this, no, no, no. Talking, 
Mork's <laughs> right. Org. Oh, that's yeah, right. Mork and Mindy. I, I remember Mork and Mindy. I remember Mork Mork's Mindy, first yeah. appearance. He was watching TV, and he was watching the Andy Griffith show. Says, I like that boy, Opie. <laughs> Who, of course, was played by Ron, Ron Howard. Howard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of a shout out there. Yeah. Okay, I, I I will allow it. Ed Morrissey's number two worst show of all uh, of the seventies. Uh, worst sitcom of the seventies. Happy days. Okay, we'll allow it. Along with Kings of uh, Mr. TNT. Let's take a break. We'll come back with Brad Carlson's number two, and uh, then move on to mine, of which little needs to be said. We'll go nowhere. We'll be right back. Sightseeing in Paris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to AM 1280, The Patriot, at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. At Salem Media Group, we are looking for sales professionals with a rare blend of talent and skill to be a part of our community. First, you know beyond any doubt that sales is your thing. And while your current situation may not embody this ideal, you are still committed to the consultative process, a sales method that incorporates creativity and partnership deeply rooted in a matchmaker philosophy. Second, you truly are a fanatic about prospecting. You love the hunt. You think about new business all the time and always have your antennas up for leads that make sense. And third, you are what we at Salem Media Group call an appointment procurement professional. That's right. You're skilled and adept at gaining a face-to-face audience with key decision makers to investigate win-win opportunities. If this threefold identity describes you, call me, Nick Anderson, General Manager at 651-289-4408 or visit us at am1280thepatriot.com. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-260-1792. 800-260-1792. That's 800-260-1792. As a former congressman and the ranking member on the Judiciary Committee of the U.S. House of Representatives, Doug Collins knows what it means to fight for what he believes. And on every episode of the Doug Collins podcast, he'll explore all topics from politics to life advice and blend them together for a well-rounded discussion that you can use to get the most out of your life. The Doug Collins podcast. Subscribe today on Apple, Google, Spotify, and at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Join our fan club today and you could win our November Regnery Book of the Month, Justice Corrupted, How the Left Weaponized Our Legal System by Ted Cruz. Register to win today at am1280thepatriot.com. Five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> 
Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. 650, we're not taking calls today. Next week, we'll take calls. Double them up if you need to. We're doing the pop culture octagon, worst sitcoms of the 1970s. And there's so many potential spinoffs uh, to this broadcast here, by the way. I mean, just so far, we've had worst cross plugs, uh, worst hijacking of a show by a catchphrase. I mean, right now it's between A and, uh, and Dynamite, perhaps, uh, or Up Your Nose with a Rubber Hose. I mean, that, that one sort of took over Welcome Back, <laughs> Connor. And I, I, probably the worst guest appearance. I mean, the most, the most completely absurd guest appearance. I nominate Peter Frampton appearing on Baba Black Sheep. <laughs> <laughs> As an Australian oh, coast talk watcher, about a deep cut. Holy that was, God. that's going way back there, Lisa. So we're we're working our way through the second worst sitcoms of all time uh, of the 1970s. Uh, although I think it's also fair to point out that the 70s sitcom didn't die in the 1970s. I saw one uh, last year, uh, a show called That's How We Roll, about a guy who'd uh, lost his job as an auto worker and uh, was trying to you know, follow his dream to make it as a professional bowler. And it was exactly as, as uh, good a show as the premise sounds like. I could actually see it being a fun uh, show if it was taken over by, say, someone who produced Scrubs or, or The Office. But no, this was somebody who was left over from the 70s, I'm sure, and, and it's exactly like that. So let's move on. The second worst actual sitcom of the 1970s from the 1970s, according to Brad Carlson. Well, it seems we have, whenever we do these for sitcoms in particular, spinoffs always kind of seem to fall into these categories. Now, I don't know if spinoffs became uh, more ubiquitous in the 70s, or I'm just remembering because I don't recall specifically a lot of sitcoms from like the first half of the decade or even back in the 60s. But I'm going with a spinoff here. Of course, uh, one show that had uh, uh, great critical acclaim throughout the 1970s, or from, I think it started in 1975, got into the early 80s, was Barney Miller, the cop show, uh, I believe based in Brooklyn, Queens, maybe, about a police precinct and various hijinks that were occurring there. So uh, Danny Arnold, who was, I believe, the producer, creator of Barney Miller, said, uh, we need to give a spinoff to one of these characters, and they they, uh, were contemplating and decided to give a spinoff to... Uh, the detective who was playing uh, Phil Fish, uh, the actor Abe Vigoda, and the spinoff of Barney Miller, which began in 1977, Fish. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what's a what's yeah. a fit sitcom theme without saxophone? It's a, oh, yeah. it's a funky fish right there. Well, it's, it's a... It's a spin-off of the Barney Miller theme song. There you it is. The it is. Part? Yeah. Yeah, very it much is. so. Very much so, exactly. yes. A better uh, effort at a spin-off, I'd say, uh, Brad. Yeah, Phil Fish is a detective with the New York Police Department who moves into a house with his gravelly-voiced wife, Bernice, played by Florence Stanley. Hey, Fish, welcome home. She oh. called him Fish. Didn't call him by his first name, just called him Fish. Hey, Fish, what do you want for dinner? Oh, no. And uh, they adopt five foster children. Street Smart Victor... Black Hipster Loomis, oh. Shy Jilly, Charmer Mike, and Youthful Diane. And you had appearances by uh, a, a Charlie, who was a social worker shrink, who dropped in from time to time to make sure everything was okay. Because the condition of them having this home was that they would welcome in these kids. Because, you know, Fish and his uh, wife, uh, Bernice, they just lived in a, a little apartment. And they said, uh, in order to fulfill our dream of having a home of our own, we have to take in these uh, five kids. So that was kind of the premise of the show. And Fish was kind of the old curmudgeon Brooklyn cop, cop detective yeah. who tried like heck to stem the uh, attachment, the emotional attachment he was getting for these kids. These were troubled kids. Yeah. Uh, as they were called back in the day, they were racially mixed children known as pins. 
persons in need of supervision. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes, Pins really? was a name. Yeah, yeah. And oh. uh, some of the na- some of the names you might recognize: uh, the guy who played the social worker, uh, Barry Gordon, and uh, he uh, and, all, and another character in the show, uh, Jilly. She was played by Denise Miller. They those two reunited in Archie Bunker's place, and ironically, another yes. spinoff. They were romantically yes. involved <laughs> oh, that's right. in Archie Bunker's place. Gosh, yeah, yeah. Right. So there you have it. Uh, Todd Bridges, who would later go on to play Willis Jackson in. The aforementioned different strokes. <laughs> oh, no. He was the uh, uh, the black hipster named Loomis. Of so course. This show, uh, they, it got uh, it was launched in the spring of 1977. They thought, okay, it got enough critical acclaim. We'll give it a second season. They gave it a second season, didn't play well, and it was abruptly canceled. So they never really got the opportunity to have a series finale. So about three years later, I believe in the early 80s, Fish, a retired Phil Fish, oh, no. visited the precinct on Barney Miller and they're kind of asking him, hey, what's going on, to kind of tie up the loose ends. You know, he was retired by this point, and he acknowledged that one of the kids, I forget which one it was, uh, he had some issues and oh, got no. thrown in jail for assault. And then Jilly, played by uh, the aforementioned Denise Miller, uh, got knocked up by her boyfriend and ended up marrying him. And so oh, he boy. was kind of saddened by the plight of these <laughs> kids, and he didn't do well by him. And then Loomis... He ended up uh, moving to New York City and living in a penthouse with a million. Oh no, that's different strokes. No, that, that's not related. I'm crossing up my broad. I'm crossing up my '70s sitcoms here. No, that didn't actually happen. Todd right, Bridges, so, the actor. So I just have to put something in here. First of all, Abe Vigoda actually insisted that he had to get this show, and it was the True. price that Danny Arnold had to pay to keep Fish on Barney Miller. Oh no, he wanted. They wanted him to stay on both shows, and he said he didn't want to do it. He Abe Vigoda wanted the show, and frankly, if I if I was Danny Arnold, if Tessio comes up to you and says, "You got to give me my show," <laughs> you're, you're gonna say yes to that. Are Another you not? Another pop culture reference. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, okay. Abe Vigoda for like two decades, every year it seemed like we were seeing R.I.P. Abe Vigoda before he finally passed away at age 95 in early 2016. So, yeah, uh, that's uh, right. Yeah, Fish. Yeah. Many, the second many worst Deadpool's si- got busted by him. Indeed, uh, Fish, the second worst sitcom on my list. Well, now the, interesting that you bring it up as a Barney Miller uh, spinoff because I'm sitting here thinking. Uh, of all the big hits of the 1970s, I mean, you think about all of them, Mary Tyler Moore Show, MASH, uh, keep going. I mean, many of the uh, happy days. I mean, you, you go through the list and they all have spinoffs. Every single one of the big, I mean, it's like Hollywood th- saw golden geese around every corner and had to wring every last egg out of everyone. Yep. Happy days. I mean, you had Joni Loves Chachi spinning off as well as Mork and Mindy. Laverne as well. and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley. So three spinoffs there, uh, two of which were significant hits. Uh, you have Barney Miller. You had Mary Tyler Moore, which spun off Lou Grant and Rhoda, which was by, by the way, both of which were huge hits. Yes, and they were. Phyllis. And Phyllis, Phyllis which oh, that's right. Which uh, not so much, but uh, was not so much a hit. No, uh, although uh, my favorite theme song of the bunch, by the way, I, anybody remember the theme song from Phyllis? What I, I do not. Oh no, well, well, we'll we'll have to bring that up some other time. So I don't want to like derail things here right now, but uh, not too late. I know. But uh, you, you'll get Mash. I mean, you had uh, in addition to the the three uh, post Mash shows that are actually the post Mash after Mash, which was just a dreadful hash of a show, one of the worst dramedies of the 1980s. You had Trapper John. MD, which was a hit in its own right. Welcome Back, Cotter had spinoffs. You had sp- pick a successful TV show of the 1970s. There's got to be a spinoff in there somewhere. Uh, and, 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 I mean, that that may be an entire uh, pop culture octagon to uh, to be done right there. So, 
Anyway, so anybody uh, anybody uh, have a re- uh, rebuttal for Brad here on Fish here, or did you already do yours, King? I, 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 I've done mine. I know you got to do your show, so I'll let you go. I, I do, but I don't have that much to say about it because it was a show that my parents had the good common sense to foreclose me from watching in my teenage years. I, I watched it over at Mike Elmer's house. That was the first time that I thought maybe my parents aren't so dumb after all. You remember our worst songs of the... This is Love Boat, by the way. You remember a couple of years ago, our worst songs of the 1980s episode? Yeah. Uh, When I pointed out the phenomenon of the Desmond Child syndrome, where 1980s, uh, 1970s pop stars would... Uh, r- r- their careers Exciting would run afoul. And exactly. And uh, they would have to come back in the 80s to have a big hit, a big surefire hit to pay off their legal and cocaine bills. <laughs> so Desmond Child would write them a song. It was like, he's the guy who wrote All I Want to Do is Make Love to You by Heart and The Flame by Cheap Trick. All these songs that basically brought in a ton of royalties to pay off these faded 70s rock stars' fortunes. There were a bunch of them. Desmond Child had them all in common. Well, this was the 70s sitcom equivalent. (laughs) And you could basically say that this show was really written not so much by writers, by rather by publicists for C-level stars. (laughs) <laughs> C-list stars, publicists say, hey, yeah, uh, we, 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 we got some uh, a, a divorce to pay for here. Can we get them on to get some residuals going from Love Boat here? This is, by the way, Gavin McLeod's role after Mary Tyler Moore went off the air, talking about careers going terribly awry. But you just got the impression watching the show, even as a teenager, that this was just basically a, a gasp for relevance by an awful lot of C-list stars that are never been heard from again, and rather justifiably so. Oh, Fred Grandy, who played Gopher, went on to uh, be a congressman out of Iowa, correct? That's That's true. I thought it was Ohio, but yeah, he went... Iowa. You're probably right. You're you're right. Ohio. Uh, Iowa. Iowa. Uh, One of those states. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere in the upper Midwest. Do you remember when they had that whole series of shows where Bernie Capel, as the the ship's doctor, was diagnosing all of these strange (laughs) and oddball diseases for the the drama... um, the drama track on the on the episode. I do. That's right. I, I he was the world's greatest diagnostician. It was, right. it was on that. Was on that. It was mission. actually the. It's actually the inspiration for Gregory House uh, of Hugh Laurie fame. <laughs> Little known fact. It's on the internet. Northern Alliance Radio Network heading for the worst sitcoms of the 1970s. When we come back, go nowhere. The institutions use the markets to create income and get better returns for their investors. They are consistent year after year using tools that most people know nothing about. Learn the skills to invest and trade with the institutions at a free investing class in our local Twin City Center or virtually at 952-814-4410. Discover the tools the institutions use daily at Online Trading Academy, 952-814-4410, or go to learnwithota.com. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. 
In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that's what happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. After nearly three decades on the sidelines as an Emmy Award-winning reporter, Michelle Tafoya is now coaching us through today's insanity. Check out Sideline Sanity with Michelle Tafoya for her unique and sane perspective. You'll hear from players, coaches, subject matter experts, and key players in the political sphere. Stream Sideline Sanity with our MVP, Michelle Tafoya, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SalemPodcastNetwork.com. AM 12A, the Patriot. More than once. Oh, man. Oh, wait for it. The payoff's coming up. Oh, big finish coming up here. This is the day of long opening themes, by the way. Yeah, they don't do these anymore. There's a good reason for it, too. Uh-huh. Wait for it. Wait for it. By the AM 12A, the Patriot. Here we go. Lane kick. It sure isn't you. <laughs> that song I remembered, but my business bank account PIN number, oh, heck no. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Pop culture octagon, worst sitcoms of the 1970s. As always, we're tight on time here. We're doing okay, but no time to be wasted. But I had to waste time for that because it was my favorite. Uh, b- back from the day when theme songs would take a minute or two and Mike Post reigned supreme. <laughs> That's what we had. So, so far, uh, King Banyan's number three is uh, Me and the Chimp, number two, Mr. T and Tina. Ed, starting off uh, number three with Carter County, uh, Carter Country, rather, I should say, and uh, Happy Days is uh, number two. Uh, Brad Carlson, BJ and the Barrett, number three, and uh, Fish 
at number two. Of course, I kicked off with MASH at number three and The Love Boat at number two. Not especially controversial there. So it's time to get to the ring of infamy here. King Banyan, your worst sitcom of the 1970s. So there were all of these shows that would come on and would have a string of guests. They called them anthology shows. And the 70s was the era of the anthology show. So I want you to think about the guy who walks in to the producer or the or the president of NBC and says, I got a great idea for you. And he says, and this is an exact quote, it's going to be the love boat with the action of Fantasy Island on a high speed train. <laughs> This is Super Train. What made it super? They spent a ton of money building this set, working 24 hours a day, building nine, count them, nine cars. I'm the economist. I have to count. Nine cars, right? And and through this show, hold on to that number nine. It's important. Okay, they, they managed to get Tony Danza, Jamie Farr, Jaja Gabor, Bernie Capel, okay, from the aforementioned Love Boat. Oh, yeah. Lyle Wagner, Peter Lawford, Mako, I don't even know who that is. Abe Vigoda, we just talked about. Steve Lawrence, Cleavon Little, Loretta Swit from Bash, Vic Tabak, Joyce DeWitt, Sally Kirkland, and Billy Barty oh, as no. BJ and the Bear. No. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they are, this was the most remarkable thing. And what they spent all their money on the train and yeah. the idea. This was not just any train; it was a nuclear-powered train. Did you oh. know that nuclear used to be cool yeah. back in the seventies, oh. right? And they spent it. Remember the number nine? They only did nine episodes of the thirteen. So they <laughs> they spent so much money that you can find lots of stories out there about how Super Train almost bankrupted NBC. They had the worst season that they had ever had, and they were actually pretty close to broke. And the only show that actually survived and made them any money and lived on into the 1980s was the aforementioned Different Strokes. Oh, wow. It also came out in 1978, 79. There you go. My number one worst sitcom of the 1970s, (sighs) 70s, they didn't even have the laugh track till episode five, was, was, in fact... Super Train. Oh, I, I remember nothing about the show other than the fact oh. that David Letterman kept bang, dinging on that show all the way through the early 1980s. They it was, promoted it was... the heck out of out of Super Train. It was their whole lineup was Super Train. Oh, I remember yeah. that season. They they buried people in Super Train hype. It was enormous. It was no, it was they... it was a big era for huge hype that went. No, for example, Super Train, which. I'd say it eclipsed another show that was hyped to the moon and stars, figuratively speaking. The original Battlestar Galactica, which lasted, I think, a little less than a season as well. Uh, and of course, came back on cable years later as a much, much better show here. But this is, yeah, what are, what are the, what are the, this is sort of the heaven's gate of television comedy in the 1970s. It really was, yeah. <laughs> right. And this was approved by Fred Silverman, who had right. done, who had done initially CBS. So he did All in the Family, Bob Newhart Show, Mary yeah. Tyler Moore. He jumps over to ABC, does Charlie's Angels, Happy Days, Love Boat, Laverne and Shirley, and everyone thinks, Everything that Fred Silverman touches is gold. He also creates this show, and he also approved the aforementioned The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. See, Fred, that's it. I forgot the fact that Fred Silverman was tied to this, because when he took over at CBS, 
they ruled comedy with shows like yeah. which shows are probably were the worst sitcoms of the seventies. And actually, Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, uh, Green Acres, they were all CBS properties, uh, you know, lowbrow stuff. And, and Fred Silverman came in and canceled them all and put on the hybrid. I mean, gave Norman Lear his first big start and turned basically the entire lineup over to Golden Lear right. uh, uh, to it, Norman Lear, and it paid off huge for them. Back it then. referred to as the rural purge. That's right. That's yep. right. That's right. Yep. All right. Uh, that's a good. Well, uh, well, well played there, King Banyan. No real controversy here. I don't think anybody's leaping to the defense of Super Let's move on <laughs> to Ed Morrissey. Ed Morrissey, your worst sitcom of the 1970s. Well, I don't think this is going to be a big surprise to anybody because it's already largely accepted as at least one of the top five worst sitcoms of the 1970s. And as we discussed the last time we did this, it's also the worst sitcom of the 1980s <laughs> because it lasted a year and a half, one and a half seasons, starting in 1979. And you can certainly, you won't guess it from the theme song because you probably never watched it, The Ropers, a spinoff of Three's Company. And, uh, oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) Picture Norman Fell dancing with a plunger right about now. That's exactly what it is. And and Audra Lindley with a a feather boy. Now, at the time, Three's Company was actually still very popular. Also not very good, but it was very popular. And the... The network wanted to do a spinoff, and they wanted to spin off the Ropers. Now, Norman Fell, who'd been around the block a few times in Hollywood, yeah. didn't really want to do this. Todd no. Lindley did, but he didn't. He was concerned that the Ropers were really just a one-note joke, right, about... Uh, you know, Audra Lindy being oversexed and Norman Roper being under-responsive, right? Yeah. And they were saying, no, 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 no. If you look at the trivia, you, you, you can, I mean, it's a well-known story anyway, but um, they said, no, 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 no. Look, if, 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 if we have to cancel it in the first season, we'll just bring you back on Three's Company. You guys can have your jobs back. Oh, no. Well, they had brought in Don Knotts, first off. So nobody's going to bump Don Knotts off of a sitcom. But n- number two, it lasted, they kept it on the air for one and a half seasons. So when they finally canceled it, that deal was dead. And they basically stuck a knife in the back of Norman Fell and Audra Lindley. They brought them back for one episode as sort of a closure thing on oh. Three's Company. Um, but, I mean, it, it, was, it was just it was awful. <laughs> there was, yes, there was, was nothing there. I mean, the, the, they, were, they were comic relief for a comedy series. It was like putting fish on his own. Um, it, it was a one-note gag. It was a continually this one-note gag. Talented performers, just as you know, Abe Vigoda was in Fish, but the setup was poor. And Norman Fell should have stuck with his instincts and said, "That's okay. I got a job. The checks are clearing. I'm fine." Um, Audra Lindley would go on to have a, a pretty good movie career uh, as a character actor, but um, yeah, this was this was just bad. Never, I think everybody who remembers the show remembers how bad it is. Jeffrey Tambor was a co-star on this uh, show as he well. Was. He, was he like the neighbor really? or something? He and his uh, yes, wife. And... Yes, yes, yes. I think right. it, yeah, I think he was like the. They didn't have yuppies yet, but I think he was like the 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 uh, a yuppie, you know, precursor and uh, and you know very upscale and sort of snooty and right. uh, and and the Ropers um, uh, trailer park, um, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, 
uh, culture, I guess you could say, or, or perspective didn't really appeal to them. And so that was the conflict. Patty McCormick from The Bad Seed yes. was one of the featured oh, wow. players on this. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor's wife in the show. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'm just looking at Norman Fell's IMDb page. The guy was. I, I, he was prolific. Prolific. He was in the, yeah. uh, it was in the Untouchables. Was Ocean's Eleven, yeah. the original one, not the, not yeah. the remake. Right. Uh, he, he was, he was uh, one of the, uh, the character actors in uh, Bullet. I mean, he was Steve McQueen, Peter Gunn. I mean, he was all over the place. Uh, the guy, the guy, and it's, it's one of really talented guy, really, really talented guy. And there's a there's a potential spinoff of to this uh, pop culture uh, octagon is worst character destruction by a bad role. This has got to be right up there. I mean, <laughs> now do we know if Norman Fell broke the fourth wall in this show as much as he did in Three's Company? Remember when he used to just smirk at the audience after? I, I uh, believe I believe so. Yeah. I believe yeah. they yeah. had the same. I believe they had the the whole same setup. It was okay. very tired. Yeah. So yes, I believe that that's the case. If all you got is one note, you play that one note, I guess. So, I guess. so, so yeah. far. Harvey Corman says hi. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> all right. So King Banyan's worst sitcom of the 70s, Super Train. Uh, Ed Morrissey, The Ropers. That leaves us two more of the worst sitcoms of the 1970s. Let's take a quick early break here. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A to the Patriot. Uh, go nowhere. The fun is almost over and yet still in its own way just beginning. How will you make it on your own? This world AM1280 The Patriot. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the sculpture garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Stream AM1280 The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Stock market have you nervous with massive fluctuations? With the impact of inflation, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. But with Vantage Point, you won't have to guess. Text money to 813-813 to find out how you can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. Text money to 813-813 and find the consistency and confidence you've been looking for in your trading. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to get in or out of a trade. Text the word money to 813-813. We'll send you a link to our free live training. Protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Text money to 813-813. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting in, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash disclaimer and consent to receive calls and text using automated technology or pre-recorded voice event offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition to purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text money to 813-813. This is Ted Cruz. Joe Biden is right now using the DOJ and the FBI to target his enemies, to storm President Trump's home, to harass parents and pro-life activists, and to target you. That's why I wrote my newest book, Justice Corrupted, How the Left Has Weaponized Our Legal System, to arm you with the facts, to hold our government accountable. Read Justice Corrupted, the latest book from best-selling author Senator Ted Cruz. Available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. 
Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. Wake up with the Patriots Daybreak Insider. Today's top news stories from a conservative viewpoint. Sign up at am1280thepatriot.com by using the keyword subscribe. That's subscribe at am1280thepatriot.com. If you've ever wondered... AM 1280 The Patriot. One of the best sitcoms of the 70s. The if you were starting in radio when you were 15. Cincinnati WKRP. Or maybe not. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking. He's right, you know. Town to town, up and down. Door Little Lights Radio Network. And, of course, the Thanksgiving WKRP episode. One of the classics. Oh, gosh. Yes. Oh, they're dropping on the ground my... like sacks of wet cement. That's right. This guy's my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> oh, the humanity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pop culture. By the way, uh, by my ba- uh, speaking of pop culture, quick break here to point out my band, Elephant in the Room, having a busy week this week. Night before Thanksgiving, Wednesday, we will be playing at the Roseville Legion in Roseville, just on uh, east of Dale on County Road C in Roseville, hence the Rose. Town Legion. And Friday, Black Friday at the Savage Legion in Savage, just across the uh, alley from last night's gig at Neeson. So uh, we're developing a, a bit of a, of a, of a reputation in, in Savage. Yeah, we're big there. Anyway, pop, back to the pop culture all, all, uh, octagon here. We uh, were, were through the worst two sitcoms of the 70s, according to King Banyan, Super Train, and Ed Morrissey, The Ropers. That brings us up to Ed, uh, Brad Carlson's Worst sitcom of the 1970s. Oh, this is going to be brutal. So we talked earlier in the broadcast about how a lot of these 70s shows were trying to capitalize on the, 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 hot, the hot thing, the hot button pop, pop culture thing at the time. You know, you know, monkeys inspired or chimpanzees inspired by the Clint Eastwood every which way but loose. You yeah. know, truckers inspired by Convoy. You know, not only the movie but the CW even call tune. Mary, Mary Tyler Moore feminism. Indeed, indeed. Jimmy so, Carter. Uh, oh, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> so, of course, one of the big things that uh, uh, was going on in the late 70s, we talked about, we invoked John Travolta earlier, disco, right? Oh, yeah. Disco, the Saturday night uh, uh, fever oh. genre. Well, uh, ba- uh, it, that all culminated in the summer of 1979 with Disco Demolition Night at Comis- Chicago's Comiskey Park That's right. during a White Sox game. It got so over the top, so rambunctious that they had to forfeit the baseball game uh, <laughs> that was to take place later on uh, that evening. Another genius idea by uh, Mike Bill Veck. Mike, Mike Veck, his uh, his son. Uh, the Bill Veck uh, was the owner of the White Sox, uh, right? And his, his son, son was Mike Veck. Was yes. handling the the marketing. Who's now gone on to put the St. Paul Saints on the map Indeed. after all these years? Yeah, right. yeah. So. Uh, so this particular show, my uh, number one worst sitcom of the 1970s, uh, trying to capture the magic that was offered up by Saturday Night Fever. It is a show entitled Making It. Yeah, I'm as bad as they come. I'm <laughs> too, too, no one. 
just soak it in. So David Naughton was the star of the show, and he sang the theme song. Now, the show was a dud. I think it lasted nine episodes. Okay. But the song actually, I believe, got in the top ten on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Yeah, the song was good. Yeah. (laughs) So David Naughton, of course, uh, he went on to more success. There you, there you have it. He went out of more success. Uh, he starred in 1981's An American Werewolf in London, and he also was a uh, prolific uh, um, star in, starred in commercials. Of course, uh, I'm a pepper, she's a pepper, wouldn't you want to be a pepper too? Be a pepper, right. drink Dr. Pepper. Yeah, the oh. uh, singer of the uh, Dr. Pepper theme song back in the early 80s. They've had different uh, versions of that since then. But you look on the Internet Movie Database, and a lot of these shows, they try to uh, put uh, lipstick on the proverbial pig by having multiple paragraphs, trying to make the show sound better than it actually was. Yes. So you know it's a problem when the storyline uh, of making it, inspired by Saturday Night Fever, the nocturnal adventures of two young brothers at a disco, and with their rambunctious Italian family. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. That, that's all they had to go on. So uh, David Naughton was one of the uh, brothers in there. His uh, older brother was played by an actor named Greg Antonacci. Uh, he played Butchie in the final season of The Sopranos. I don't know if you remember that. He was oh. part of the New York family. Yeah, we've got to wipe Tony off the map. <laughs> so, uh, And the younger sister was Denise Miller, who was also part of Fish earlier, uh, my uh, second worst sitcom. She also starred in Fish, and she starred in this dud as well. Uh, apparently, uh, Billy Minucci, who was David Doughton's character, worked in an ice cream shop by day. And then went out to the disco at night to, I don't know, uh, if he was looking for a, a soulmate or a, a, a hookup or what have you. Uh, the parents were played, uh, Lou Antonio played the dad, uh, Joseph. And if you ever need an Italian matriarch, apparently Ellen Travolta was your go-to. She played uh, Char- Scott Bale's mother in three different series in the 70s and 80s. So apparently she was the go-to here. And, of course, she was familiar with the disco genre. Her younger brother, John Travolta, of course, having starred in Saturday Night Fever. So I, I should just see the agent involved with it. Say, you need an Italian mother? I got you an Italian mother. Bernie Brookman uh, represents. Yeah, so uh, the uh, in, back in 2002, TV Guide ranked its worst uh, 50 worst TV shows of all time. Not sitcoms or dramas, just TV shows in general. 50 right. worst TV shows of all time. Making It was number 40 of their top 50 of all time on their list. And by 2002, that spanned, what, good uh, 50, 60 years of uh, television. So Making It, my number one worst sitcom of the 1970s. What, what year did it come out, Brad Carlson? 2002. Two, uh, uh, the, the actual show. 1979. 1979. So the, the one I think is, uh, and, uh, King, what year did, did uh, Super Train come out? 78. 78. So both of these shows pretty much came out about the time that uh, Disco had peaked and was on its way out, uh, making it, of course, a good solid year or two after the uh, Disco demolition and and Super Train, which, uh, King, you pointed out offline, had a Disco on the train. Oh, yes. There was a Disco <laughs> on Super Train. Oh yeah. You bet. Because and, everyone wants to dance on the train, man. Of course, yeah. Not enough motion sickness, I guess. <laughs> That's right. And, of course, the, the theme to Super Train was itself 
a bit of a disco number, kind of upbeat, if you recall that. So, yeah, that just shows how, how some of these trend-following, uh, well, trends that, that Hollywood goes on uh, miss the mark so drastically. Okay, so mine, mine, my worst sitcom, thank you, by the way, all, all of you, for your number ones. I'm going to do my number one right now. And really, the setup is important. Because I've, I've spoken with you all before about Dr. Blake, my uh, college major advisor, the, the person who turned me into a conservative, which is something you would not see in an English professor these days. A huge influence on my life. And we were reading Paradise Lost by John Milton, the 10-book-long blank verse discursion on the, the role of man and good and evil uh, and the battle between good and evil and, and, and mankind and, and about you know, the nature of original sin and the tainting of humankind and and, uh, and that's how do you sum up uh, you know, uh, Paradise Lost? I just uh, took my best shot at it quickly here. And, and Dr. Blake, who is the son of a New York cop, probably could be a, an extra in one of these many uh, shows we've talked about here, had this thick Queens accent. And he said, Mitch, we were talking about Paradise Lost after hours one, one day after class. And he said, uh, Mitch, there's the, really, the, the real battle is about the definition of what is evil. Where is Satan in this world? Where does Satan walk in this world? And the fact, Mitch, is his line was, Satan is among us right now. He's with us now on this earth in the form of <laughs> Three's Company. <laughs> Come and knock on our door. This Come is the banality of evil personified in our modern world here. If you want to see about Satan when he comes to earth is not coming to earth as a cloven-hoofed monster with horns and red steam pouring out of his ears. He's coming to earth as this show. My favorite episode was the one with all the sexual innuendos and double entendres. I'm on the floor every time. I caught that one. That was a good one. I caught that one too. That's right. So I, I, I give it points as the worst sitcom of the 1970s, it's entirely based on Dr. Blake's linking it to Paradise Lost. I, I could, <laughs> <laughs> what else did I need, ladies and gentlemen? Absolutely. So, so we've gone through our list. I think the votes are in uh, Three's Company, the worst sitcom of the 1970s. Well, some excellent uh, entries there as well. I do this every episode of these pop calls for oct- octagons. But uh, anyway, another great show as always. We should do this after every election when we're all bored stiff doing oh, politics. Oh, we need it, yes. That's right. yes. Amen, brother. Yes. Amen. That's right. King Banyan heard Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. I know there's an actual tagline. I, I, I never remember that. Uh, Brad, Brad Carlson heard uh, Sundays, tomorrow, in fact, 1 to 3 here on AM 12A, The Patriot. Uh, Ed Morrissey, he's everywhere. He's, he's bigger than Taylor Swift. By the way, I got 32,000 Taylor Swift tickets. Lucky. I was trying to buy salami the other day, and I wound up with 32,000 tickets. What do I do with them? Anyway, thanks for tuning in. God bless you all. God bless America. See you all next time. Thanks, guys. This is Dennis Prager inviting you to join me for a memorable travel opportunity. Mike Gallagher and I are headed back to Israel next October for the Stand with Israel tour. Join us along with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, as we visit key sites in the Holy Land, thoughtfully designed to give you an unprecedented view of a region you've likely only heard about. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details. You'll set foot on the ancient streets of Jerusalem, sail the Sea of Galilee, pray at the Western Wall, and more. We'll have special guides for our group, luxury accommodations, and I will be broadcasting, and so will Mike, our shows from Israel. No other trip will be like the Stand With Israel Tour. Come with Mike Gallagher and me in 2023. 
Call 855-565-5519, 855-565-5519, or visit StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com. Is your furnace being a turkey? Gobble up these savings from Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Save up to $1,500 on a new furnace and air conditioner combo. Ask about their 0% financing this holiday season. Did you know that Standard Heating also installs boilers? This month, save up to $1,000 on any boiler. That's two offers this month with savings of up to $1,500. Be sure to ask about installing a water heater with your purchase. Don't wait and be left out in the cold this winter. Be proactive and save some cold, hard cash. Call for your free estimate today. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, a family-owned and operated business, is located right here in the Twin Cities. Visit StandardHeating.com to see their Black Friday specials. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, providing the comfort you deserve since 1930. Call to schedule an appointment and mention the Patriot. That's Standard Heating for all your heating needs this winter. StandardHeating.com. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce Reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-457-9220. 800-457-9220. 800-457-9220. That's 800-457-9220. AM Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.